anybody can say, oh, you want to spend from this to this, and you want to be in this area, and you want this many bedrooms, and you want a kitchen that's this or that, you know, you, all the boxes. Anybody can do that. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting to know someone and what they're saying and what they're not saying. There's so much there. It's, I, it's a people first business. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up also gives you the most integrations mm -hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Welcome to the podcast, State Rockstars. Today, we have got the wonderful Scott Harris out of Brown, Harrison Stevens in New York City. Scott has been in the real estate industry since 2003. He's been involved in over $1 billion in career sales in New York City. 
And uh, he's, he was named as a top 30 broker in New York City, as well as among the top 250 in the nation by sales volume. And he is regularly among the top 0.2% of realtors nationwide in sales volume. He has a focus on people first, a philosophy of being a visionary brokerage. And Scott and his team regularly help buyers uncover what is next for them in their lives, identifying and securing opportunities in New York City. Scott, welcome to podcast, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been in real estate since 2003. That is a lot longer than most of us. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if New York City is the same as our market, but half of our agents have literally only been licensed since like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge. Um, how did you get started? It's really funny. Um, Kale, thanks a lot for having me here. You know, I, I didn't grow up in New York. I grew up in, in New Orleans, Louisiana. And so when I go back I, I, and I talk about real estate, people say, wait a minute. So you're saying there's no driveway? No, there's no driveway. Are you saying there's no backyard? Yeah, there's no backyard. Wait a minute. Like you live in how small a place? So it's, it's a different place than anywhere else that I ever knew as a kid growing up. Um, and I, did, I was in the music business for about five years after college. Uh, and learned a ton about sales and learned about, you know, I, lo- I put bands on the road and did all of these, these things, which accidentally were like perfect translation into real estate. But the confession is that I didn't, other than that, my father was in commercial real estate and was a landlord, is a landlord in, in, um, in suburban New Orleans. I never thought about real estate as a profession. I loved architecture as a kid, but it took my stepmom saying to me, hey, I was in this transition from Boston, where I lived for a few years doing the music, to New York. And she said to me, hey, Scott, I think you'd be a really good real estate agent. And I was at this crossroads in my life. I'm like, what am I going to do next? And she, you know, it, it often happens that people know you better than you know yourself. And it was, that was how I got started. I immediately got my license. I went and looked around and spoke to about five or six different agencies and found one that felt like a good fit where I could get hit the ground running. That's fantastic. And did you find any of your skill set from the music industry translated, or did you kind of have to almost start from scratch in that regard? Well, like I was saying, when you put bands on the road, imagine like you're a touring band and you need to get, you have one gig, let's say you're based in New York and you want to go to California. Okay, well, I've got this date in California. How am I going to make it work all the way across the country? And so it's in some ways, if someone's looking to buy a home, figuring out the touring of, you know, became something that was like, oh, this sounds very familiar. And I was used to dealing with college kids who, you know, may have, may or may not have had a drink before my phone calls, who may not have always uh, been focused on, uh, on, on the task at hand, bringing a band to their campus. All of a sudden I had a really a really dedicated, committed audience of people who wanted to find a home. So selling, finding people's homes um, was, to me, a much easier thing than putting bands, finding dates for bands on the road. But the sales piece was always like I was talking to people, finding out what they were about, and then find, trying to make a match for them. So it, it felt like all of the things I'd ever done in, it was, was perfect. I was a psychology major in college. You know, I, I feel like I'm really more of a therapist than, a, than an agent most days, as I'm sure people out there will, will, will 
you know, recognize. And um, I've always been a very, you know, people person. I'm super curious. So to get to talk to people doing everything under the sun professionally is like my dream. Like, can I just be at a cocktail party 24-7 learning about other people? I love it. So my degree was in psychology also. And when I got my degree in psychology, people would tell me, they'd be like, why are you getting a psych degree? That's useless. <laughs> Unless you're going to get a, like a PhD in the field. I mean, it's kind of hard to get just a normal de- a job in that field without like a PhD level education. And that was not my intention. And uh, turns out psychology is great for real estate because you're right. You do end up being like a, I mean, I've been a marriage counselor at times, you know, I've been, yeah, I've worked through all sorts of crazy stuff with people, but um, I love that, that you're just curious about people. I think there's some real value there. And um, can you just kind of speak to that piece of how curiosity and being just naturally interested has helped you throughout your career? Well, you know, I want to touch on something that you said also which is, you know, the, the psych major. I mean, look, let's face it. Anybody can say, oh, you want to spend from this to this and you want to be in this area and you want this many bedrooms and you want a kitchen that's this or that, you know, you, all the boxes. Anybody can do that. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting to know someone and what they're saying and what they're not saying. There's so much there. It's, I, it's a people first business. If you, people know you care, then they're going to open up and share what their dreams are. It's very scary. We take it for granted that this, this whole thing. So, you know, it, the people part of this is the overlooked part. And so, and I'll tie it to what your question was. The curiosity for me is I, I want to learn about somebody. What are they about? I want to learn about, I, I, I ask so many questions of people in their businesses and I just want to listen and learn um, what makes it interesting. So it's like a sociology experiment that I, I listened to a conversation recently about a guy who writes about finance. And what he loves, it's not the finance, it's about all the psychology behind the finance, why people make decisions. So when I'm learning about people in their business, it's like, how do they think about it? And so I, it's so exciting to learn about how people are going through their, in all the different ways that they can, can live this life and be professional. So it's, and then I guess the point, is the way I've helped have accidentally grown my business is that I've always wanted to help people move forward in their lives in some way. So, like if I meet you and you're you're a, you're a, let's say you do a credit card processing business, right? Something you know obscure, which happens, you know, and and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm looking to grow my business, blah blah blah. And then I'm talking to somebody else who runs a nonprofit to help underprivileged kids go to college, be the first person in their families to go to college. And they're constantly doing something. I'm like, you know, and they talk, they have some need that comes out that they're looking for a credit card processor. It's like, I'm like, and then I make that connection. One person's like, thank you so much. You're helping, you know, this person's really great and they do a good business. The credit card guy's like, dude, you teed me up for an amazing business relationship. And so I just think about how I can help people. And so the curiosity feeds my, you know, internal Rolodex. And then I just add value all over the place. And I would say, my business, the real estate just shows up. You know, my goal is just to help people. And then the, the, my, a bit, my expertise on the real estate front kind of just over time, I, I've got, I got better and better and better. I knew more and more. And so then, of course, I'm good at this. Of course, I want to work with Scott. He's just a helpful guy. And he's made my life better and added value. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. And actually, 
that's something that in my own business, it's really only been in the last year or two that I've really started to, like, I don't even call my clients with the goal of talking to them about real estate anymore. I just call to see how they're doing. I call to, to talk to them about their business. And like you said, it's like they, there ends up being needs that come out of that conversation. You're like, oh, I know this person over here that can help you. Oh, you're, you know, you're a, a Memphis-based business person who needs an accountant. Well, one of my best clients is the top accountant in Memphis. I'm going to connect you with him. And that, and you just start, and then all of a sudden the conversation naturally will lead to real estate, especially when you live in a place like New York City and at, at the beach where I live, it's like, People want to talk to you about that. It becomes a little easier, but everybody needs a house or everybody needs to invest. And, and so you don't have to like force the conversation there. You can literally just sit there and seek to help people from a genuine care for them and you will get sales. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. I run this team. I have a team of seven right now. We were eight and then someone decided to move away. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> but um, I tell them all the time, you know, some of them are pretty new to the business. And one guy said, you know, I'm getting this reputation for being annoying in my circles because all I'm doing is asking people if, I, if they want to buy or sell. And I said, okay, let's stop for a second. You know, this is a guy who, this is real estate's a second business for lots of people, right? And I said, you are a three, you are a three-dimensional, 360-degree person. I tell we every week we sit down as a team and, and have, in fact, later on today, we have a lunch meeting as a team. And we say, you know, you're much more than real estate. And therefore, what you have to offer is much more than real estate. Right. And so I say, just talk to people. Like he came from the fashion business. He's an incredibly cool guy with like 40 years or 30 or 40 years of experience in New York. He knows everybody. So why make it just about real estate? You're making yourself so small. Like if all you ever wanted to talk about was real estate, that's a pretty boring, you know, it's a one-dimensional thing. Although in New York, New York, New York City real estate is pretty interesting. And it, it is what a lot of people want to talk about with me, but I'm interested in them and all the stuff. What, you know, where they send their kids to school, where they send their, you know, where do they do when they're not at school, where they travel to, what books they've read. It's just, there's a full life that, you're missing out on if you all you talk about is real estate. And you know, that brings up a great point too, because what someone once told me was we were we were showing a $15 million house and the agent that walked in was frankly unqualified in every way from a real estate perspective to be showing that house. Yeah. But their their clients were extremely loyal to them. And it had relatively little to do with their real estate knowledge and ability, which Guys, we should be sharpening the axe. We should be great at what we do. We should take a lot of pride in that. But at the end of the day, because I looked at my, you know, my uh, broker at the time, I was like, "What gives here? How come that? How come that guy's working with this agent that's not on this level to show him this house?" And he goes, "You know, people work with who they like. That's like the biggest factor in what makes someone decide who they're going to work with is who are who do they enjoy working with." Yeah, I mean, look, there's. There is something to be said for being a personable, you know, personable, right? Um, and being able to have fun, and you know, and, and we've all watched umpteen television shows that promote, you know, people go out to dinner and then real estate deals happen. I think it's even a, a deeper level because you, you can try to fake, you can be a sociable person, but I think if you care, there's even more forgiveness. Like I'm not the most 
like, you know, social guy. I mean, I love, I could sit one-to-one and have great conversations, but what I really know is I care about you. I genuinely want to know who you are. There's something awesome about you. And I just haven't figured it out yet, you know, from anybody. I try, I, when I was in my twenties, I was in a band. I traveled the country and I met people in every corner of, of America and everybody has a story and everybody like, there's something cool that you've been through, you know, some gym teacher in New Jersey or whatever, like, I want to know who you are. And so if you care, genuinely care, that goes so far, people are willing to, you know, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. Like that's guarantee. You're going to say something wrong. You're going to miss a detail. That's how you're going to, your business is going to grow. And you're going to make mistakes. In fact, if you're not making mistakes, you're not, you know, you're not doing enough, right? Um, and and so caring is key. I mean, it's the most fundamental thing. Well, isn't that kind of the interesting connection? Like that's kind of the thread of like likability. I, I don't believe it's a superficial likability that people gravitate towards, where it's like, oh, he's just fun to be around. Like. We all, have, we all know those people that are just fun to be around, but maybe they're not our closest friends and our confidants in those time of need when we need advice. We're trying to position ourselves as, a, as advisors. We want to be someone they come to for advice. They have to trust us on a deep level. Yeah. And, and the only way you can build organic, deep trust is by just, like you said, it's like caring about people. I think that's maybe some of the most powerful advice that's been on this podcast ever is just if you deeply care, people will gravitate towards that. They'll feel that and you'll build trust. Look, I, I would, what I would say, because is this, if you're starting out in your business, you can just be a good salesperson and get pretty far. Okay. It's that next level. It's like, how does, how does it go from, okay, I can sell a house. Great. Good job. You know, you can, you can find a buyer, whatever you, maybe your team has great lead generation, whatever. You can get going, and that's one. In fact, when I started out in my business, it was like I was I was coming from like close them, you know, like a really and you know and and just get those deals done. And when I was first starting out in the rental side of the business, you know, there were a lot of skeletons in that closet. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't proud of every interaction, okay, or every transaction. But when I started out at twenty eight years old, like I didn't have any money. Most people say, oh, you need six months. To like close your first deal, I didn't have six weeks. You know, I, I I came to New York with nothing. I didn't have a place to live, no girlfriend, you know, no, no no savings to speak of. I had to get it done, and and so those first transactions were not about caring. Let's just be straight, okay? But then the light went on when I started doing sales, and I was like, you know, this feels super satisfying. Like on some level, like I'm a part of their lives. Like I'm actually. I'm going to be like, my impact on them is forever. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this very publicly, but like my parents were divorced. I got divorced when I was eight and, you know, I come from a broken home. Right. And so as time went on, I, I, when I first moved to New York, the second year I met my now wife, like, as I started to help people find homes, I was like fixing my own broken home. Like it was so powerful for me. I take this so seriously, but also like, it's a mission. Like if I can help people find a home that supports them, like that's awesome. Like it's incredible. So if you care about something like that, I mean, hello, like it's, 
it's all about the people. You're really helping people in a significant way. And there's all this like chatter on when you see marketing, oh, this is the biggest transaction you're going to ever make in your life. This is a huge move, like a shift in your life. It's more than a transaction. It's not a transaction. Home is not a transaction to me. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. It sounds like you were incredibly fortunate to connect with your why. You know, everyone always talks about in that, like the self-help and leadership and motivation industry. They're like, you got to find your why. Yeah. It took me a long time, to be honest. Like I, I felt very transactional in my business the first couple of years and I had very little referrals. And it wasn't until I connected with that why and began, like you said, like just caring so genuinely and realizing the impact you have on someone that I began to get a referral-based business because people felt the shift and I felt the shift. I mean, it was a much more satisfying thing to close a deal when you, when it's not just about closing a deal. It's about the person on in that deal. And even the person on the other side, maybe they're not your client, but you're like, you're getting to make an impact on their life, their finances, their hopes and dreams. I mean, it's this is one of the most cool industries to be in because outside of like a healthcare, you know, type of job where you're literally saving someone's life. This is a really good way to impact someone's life for forever. Let, let me tell you something because I've been, I'm writing a book. We can talk about it whenever, if you want, but uh, about real estate. And, and if you think about it, all the institutions in our lives, right? We, we, we used to, there are all these like civic institutions and people, you know, don't go to church as much and they don't, they don't, um, you know, people don't do fraternities in college or sororities anymore. All of these rites of passage that were like things you could mark you know, don't exist as much. But the one thing, the one thing people go through almost universally is that they, they look for a new home. So like there's an opportunity when people buy a home to like learn about themselves. I say it's the best personal growth program that anybody can put themselves through, but you have to have the right person along for the ride. And that's you or me, right? And so, yes, you can, you can impact somebody. You could also you know, just not be great, sell them the thing in, 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 in the town that works for you and move on. But who does that serve, right? I mean, it serves you, but it's long-term when that house isn't the right fit and you, you were just trying to get the deal done. Um, the universe is not, it's, it's not entirely in balance yet, right? So it's, um, it's really a big deal. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about your book too. So what, what is it, uh, I mean, obviously it's about some of the things we've touched on, but like, what's the title of it? When's it coming out? What are you so, touching on in it? So it's, it's still being finished. So, you know, for those of you out there who, who want to connect me to, um, to literary agents and publishers, you know, I'd love to, you know, talk to you, but um, it's called No Small Moves. And um, at least that's the working title. And the idea is really how the, the journey to find a home is, an opportunity to really learn a lot about yourself. And, and the, it's transformative. And, the, and, and the, the journey to find a home has many of the same elements that you might see in a Disney movie or on, in Star Wars. Luke Skywalker doesn't want to leave his house, right? He doesn't want to leave that house. And he finally encounters somebody who inspires him to move on, right? That's us. We're the coach. We're that inspiring force. And then you sort of hit the middle and everything goes crazy. No one else wants you to move. There's all this outside pressure. It's really that story of what 
when you finish and you're in your home, you tell this story about the search to find home and all the crazy things you had to endure. There are no shortcuts. And when you come out on the other side, you're not the same person, right? So it's, it's that notion with you know, a lot more to it, a lot, a lot of fun, but these are universal truths. And so I'm talking a lot about you know, how it's true, lots of wisdom from every faith and lots of really deep thinkers, but also all the crazy stuff I had to endure in my own life to be an effective guide for people. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun to write. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's forced me to really think hard about all the things I've gone through in my life, um, honestly, which is great. Yeah, there is a, um, a philosophy. So, so real estate rock stars had an, in their first in-person big conference type event recently in Austin. Yep. And one of the keynote speakers was a guy by the name of Hal. I want to say his last name is Elrod. I hope I'm getting that right. But he wrote the Miracle Morning book. And uh, he's one of his things that like transformed his life. If you haven't read the Miracle Morning, by the way, or just read his story, it's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. The Miracle Morning routine has been very transformative for me. Um, Ever since I heard him speak, I committed to doing it. And on the days I miss it, I feel it. I so feel it. But he said one of the biggest things that kind of changed his life was someone told him, hey, if, if you want to become all of these outward things in your life. Like if you want to achieve these levels of success, you have to first become the person inwardly who, who would attract that success or who would get to that level of success. And it's when he kind of made the switch of like, Oh, life isn't happening to me. (laughs) I'm not just like a victim of chance. Like I can really shape who I am and become the person I want to become. That was when he said the switch just totally flipped for him. It sounds like you've been on a similar journey. Yeah, you, you're touching on like all of the, I was always a, like I said, I'm a curious person. So, you know, whether it was first, like my parents got divorced, right? Then, you know, I went to college and was a psychology. I became a psychology minor because so many people at my college wanted to be psych majors. I couldn't even get in there. So not only that, but history, sociology and psychology, right? And music too but like all fitting in together. So where do we fit into the world? And then just ever since it's been a, it's been a personal journey to figure out where do I fit into the world and how can I make it a better place? And the, it's definitely in the context of you know, what we're talking about um, in terms of designing your day and thinking about, I mean, the most simple thing, right? Wake up and have a practice. Like it could be exercise. It can be Meditation, you know, it could be depending on the day. I, I meditate in the morning, okay? Like I've been doing it for a few years and it's a wonderful way to start the day. But the most, the easiest thing, if you, maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to do anything, whatever, just don't check email for an hour. Make the beginning of the day about you. Somebody, one of my close friends who runs an incredible company called Pavilion, who founded it, he said, if you check your email first thing in the morning, you're, you're d- diving headlong into somebody else's to-do list, Right. And instead, like, what do I want to do today? It's a much more powerful move to, to think about what's important to you to get done today. But in terms of how you're growing into, you're living into that idea of who you want, it's, it's really like as simple as telling yourself a story. Your brain doesn't have any idea the difference between your dreaming and your real life. 
right? Like, I don't know if anybody out there has ever had their wife or their partner wake up in the morning mad at them. Like my wife sometimes wakes up and she's like, I'm so mad at you because such and such a thing happened when I was dreaming. And I'm like, well, look, I didn't do it, A, but she's still in that place where it's real. And so if you just decide like in a year or two, I'm going to make this much and I'm going to be on this beach. I mean, you're on the beach, right? So you don't have to dream about the beach, but you know, maybe you want to be on a certain beach somewhere at the end of the year, having made a certain amount of money and like, just paint the picture and get excited. And then from that place, then you can take some actions. Like something pops in your head. Oh, I should call this person. I should email this person, whatever it is. But you have to be inspired by your own vision of what you want to do with your business and your life to feel from that place. That's where the most creative, exciting ideas, that's, what's going to grow your business. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchsey for a quick commercial break, but I think you guys are gonna think this is super cool. I recently got to interview Pavan Agarwal. He is the founder and CEO of SunWest Mortgage Company, and they have this really cool thing I wanna share with you called Morgan. After years of development, SunWest Mortgage Company, a national leader in mortgage origination and servicing, has launched the newest iteration of proprietary AI platform, Morgan. SunWest's novel application of open ledger technology is groundbreaking and will redefine how real estate sales are transacted. I got to ask him all about this in our interview and the technology is so neat. You don't have to be doing loans with SunWest Mortgage for it to be of value to you. But listen to this, AI technology converts a pre-approved property specific loan to a property agnostic tradable token, like an NFT. I'm still learning about NFTs and he explained it to me in the meeting, how this is going to work and how once they approve something, other, you only have to get approved once. Other lenders can then bid to do the loan for you after that quick approval. This approach not only opens buyers and sellers to wider opportunities, but empowers all income bracket borrowers with the ability to present offers with certainty without open-ended financing contingencies. Thus, the borrower is now armed with the strength of an all-cash offer that sellers prefer. 99% of thousands of loan conditions SunWest received daily were received within two hours, and over 30% of those were reviewed within only 30 minutes. So whether you need an updated pre-approval at 10 p.m. on a Sunday or instant feedback on guidelines, Morgan is free and available 24 hours a day to cater to your mortgage needs. You wanna try this thing out? Go to usemorgan.com. I asked him about this during the interview. I started using it and started playing around with it. You just go to usemorgan.com and you start having a conversation. Whether you're asking about getting your buyer pre-approved, whether you have a question about a, a buyer that just bought a car and if they're still going to be approved now or how that might change. These guys are doing some really, really cool things in the business. They said in the next six months, they're going to start to get approvals down to within just minutes, like full lender approvals within just minutes using this AI tool, not talking to a person, but like texting things back and forth and working it out. So go check out this new technology, usemorgan.com. You would love the miracle morning. You would absolutely love it. It's It's got so many of the things you just mentioned tied into it. Um, Robert, do you know Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah, sure. Okay, so that's the number one selling financial book of all time, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. He said that when he read The Miracle Morning, he was like, this is the thing I've been waiting on. Like He's a raving fan of it because he says it's the only morning practice 
Because everyone will say like, oh, you should do exercise or you should meditate or you should do this or you should do that. But it's so rarely put in one total package or complete package. Yeah. And we, you touched on something so powerful. You said when we dive into emails or text messages or try and put out the fires like first thing in the morning, you're not in control of your day. Now the day is controlling you. You've had no time to establish your, your mindset, your rhythm, you've had no time to like just center yourself and have peace and be ready to go put out those fires. You're just jumping straight in. That's a great way to burn out and be miserable, even if you're being successful. And yeah. so that's, that's one thing he touches on is like, Hey, wake up early enough that you have time to control what happens first in your day. Yeah. Look, I, I often say that our job is to be the captain of the ship. I actually, I'm from New Orleans, so I think about a riverboat, right? Riverboat captains, the best riverboat captains. And by the way, if you haven't read the autobiography of Mark Twain, that gives the best description of what it's like to be a riverboat captain. But they only could control like a half a mile or a mile of the river. They only, they can't know every part of the river, but they know that part of the river and they know what's underneath, what logs and what rocks and everything else. We're a riverboat captain, right? We just need to know our thing and so that we can steer around it. And you have to be calm in the, in the storm when things are going crazy. We meet everybody at their most stressed, at their absolute most stressed in their lives. And we've got to provide calm and care. And that does not come from checking email first thing in the morning. That is for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we do. I mean, in this business you're either at the happiest day of someone's life because their offer got accepted or they're closing and every other piece of that puzzle <laughs> stress. Yeah. And it's yeah. like if our job, I mean, actually, so, so my, my brother, Jonathan, who's, he's one of the top agents in the country. He, he always tells me, he's like, our job is really to be an absorber of stress, to take stress off our client. And that sounds like you've, I mean, you've got a, a great handle on that and a kind of a system in place where you're just almost de-stressing yourself so that you're not full of stress. You can take on more in the day without overloading yourself. I, I think it's a couple things, right? I mean, for people who are newer in the business, they're not going to have an assistant. They're not going to have a transaction coordinator. They're not going to have an operations person. They're not going to have marketing directors and all the other, or people to do showings for them. You know, they have to do it all, right? So they have to find energy to do it all. And that's hard, okay? It's hard. And I, I remember when my second child, my, my, my middle child was born. I was like, if I don't do something, I'm going to have, I'm going to go crazy. I, I want to see my kids. But for those first few years, I was just burning that candle at both ends. And so I have a lot of sympathy for how hard it is, but you can, there are things you can do to give yourself energy. And, um, and, 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 and certainly um, you got to find healthy ways to, to de-stress yourself. Cause at the end of the day, um, you, you got to take a, you, at the beginning and the end of the day, you got to take a minute. But for my team, we have our, we call like a morning standup. Um, and we talk about, we go around, we still, you know, we're still small enough. We spend a, just a second saying, telling the team, what are we grateful for and what are we proud of? Right. And it can be personal or it can be business. And so first we get to know each other really well. And I think a team setting where it's just about real estate is not a sustainable one either. 
but we know like what people are going through, what they're, you know, when their kids did great in their piano recital or, you know, their, their son got into college or whatever. Right. Um, but in doing that, when you tell yourself, okay, I'm grateful for something, it just puts you in such a better mindset. It puts everything in priority. And when that person calls you, if you're an obsessive control freak like me, it's like, I want to, I want to get that thing. I want to make that call. I want to call them back. That serves you well in real estate. You got to be obsessive, right? You got to be responsive, but you also have to take care of yourself. So it's like a fine balance and it takes time. Took me, I mean, 2016 was not that long ago, but maybe 14, but like in that period, I was really burning it so hard. And I had to kind of re- step back and say, what can I do to take better care of myself? Because I was going crazy. So when you were trying to make that jump, what did you start with? What did you find success with? Were there any failures or roadblocks along the way that you kind of learned from in terms of just going from just you doing everything to building out a really successful team that you have now? Yeah. So I, I, I will say that I made so many mistakes, right? Like when I, I was doing that, I was in real estate for about eight years. I was with a team at my, um, I moved from a company called Corcoran, which is a, a great firm here to, um, I started at a, a firm that doesn't exist anymore. That's owned by Realogy. And then I moved to Corcoran and then I moved to Brown Harris Stevens where I am now. And in that, in doing that, I was, uh, and then I, I got an assistant and I burned through an assistant a year for a number of years. I mean, I was just the worst. Like it was, I was this combination of like over-controlling, micromanaging and mean, you know? And so I had to, and these were amazing people, you know, who, and so um, what you realize is that you have to give like really clear communication about what you're looking for and empower people. And so um, you know, for, I went through a lot of people on my team about showings and you have to figure out how much you're willing to commit to the people on your team. You know, do you want to train them or do you need people that are a little more seasoned, you know, to join your team? You know, what is your strength and how do you design a team around your own strengths? I don't have an answer for everyone. I know for me, I do a lot of business development. So it's like, I just have so many opportunities that come from my network now that I need people to service them. But I want to, I want people who are excited, who are really an energetic fit, like a match. So every time I talk to you, I come away feeling good or energized anyway. We don't have to agree, but um, it's definitely about communication. Like, and I, I will say this, you know, there's, there's lots of personal growth programs, but um, the biggest thing that I learned is like everything can be solved in communication. So if you make a mistake, talk about it. But like, I, I try to run my business like I run my how I live my my marriage. Never say anything to someone that you can't take back. And so be kind, you know, and and really kind of step back and say like, what's the most important thing? So it's it's really so many mistakes that kind of got me to where I am with the team, where we got clear on why we do this, what we're about. You know, definitely. I know mission statement gets kind of like a bad rap sometimes, but if you live it. If you live, if you do business in the way that you actually, that is there on the paper, you, you have to do that. You have to have it match up. You know, for me to say, oh, we care about people first, you know, I got to walk that talk, right? I got to care about people first. And sometimes tough love is, is how I care about people first. I got to tell people what they don't want to hear. 
you know, hiding behind my desk is not the way to care about people. Not telling them that, uh, you know, well, your, part, your house isn't selling. We've got to cut the price. But you're afraid to say it. You're a newer agent. You're like, oh, they're going to be mad at me. They're going to, you know, all of those things that go through your mind. So I, I, it's all about communication. That actually is a wonderful thread that almost runs through this whole conversation from psychology to, you know, how we're treating ourselves and others to building a team, how we're growing our clients, how we're building trust with our clients. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny because people relationships, whether it's a marriage or a friendship, like a close friend that you, you know, you have that kind of intimate connection with that you can share vulnerable things with them. They can tell you when you're out of line or if it's a partner in business or if it's a client, it's like, it all works together. I mean, really the foundation of all of those things is communication. And the funny thing that I kind of started to realize in my own life was I will take the time to listen to a client when they're upset with me or they're, you know, telling me I've done some things wrong. I I won't jump into defense with them because I'm, I'm very cognizant of how that's going to come across. I'm cognizant of, I want to preserve this relationship, this business dealing that we're doing too. But then it comes to like an assistant, right? Where you, there's a, there's a power dynamic that's opposite where you're in charge. And then you feel like, well, I don't need to listen. I don't need to take this. Or you're like, you're in your marriage and you know each other so well, you're with each other every single day. It's so easy not to be a good listener, not to be understanding of how they're feeling, not to care or consider what's going on in their life that might've led to this moment of frustration or what am I doing wrong? That's led, you know, a client will tell me, well, your marketing sucks and I'll take that feedback. But my wife tells me, you suck at taking out the trash every Tuesday. (laughs) And there's a million excuses, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, people are people. And if we can learn from real estate on how to treat people better and vice versa, that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is it's like success is all encompassing when you're, when you're just dealing with people. You know, I want to say two things in reaction to that. One is um, I, for a long time, I, I wasn't willing, I wasn't as good as ask, at, at asking for help from people because that's vulnerable. You know, I need help on doing this. I don't know how to do this. I think that's probably the, when you finally say, I'm really good at these three things, but I'm really bad at these 50 things. That's when your business is going to open up because you say, I can really, I'm amazing at finding people who want to buy and sell. Like I'm a networker, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, but I'm really bad at the details. I need somebody to look after the details. I can tell them kind of how to set it up and work and whatever, but that you have to ask for help. But it's, it is absolutely, listening is like the most important thing you can do. I tell my team, in fact, today we have like some quarterly reviews. I sit there and I'm like, well, what can I do better? What can you count on me? What can you count on me for? What can you not count on me for? You know, a couple of years ago, I had to quit drinking coffee. I have more than enough energy, but when I drink coffee, I can't slow down. I'm like a less good listener. I'm like more hyper. I'm like, let's just go to the next thing. Let's go to the next thing. I needed to slow down so I could listen, like you said, and, and take the feedback. But I tell the team all the time, anything goes, I will not be defensive no matter what you have to say. And I've heard some really harsh criticism and some of it's been delivered in a nice way and some really not. But my job as the team leader is to just take it all and go, okay, what's true? Like you said, what's true in there and what's not? But our clients, like I said, I mean, they need sometimes just to vent. 
it's not, and you're the person that's going to listen to them. And I've had clients say like, the only way we got this done was because of you. I had a deal that, that uh, I'm almost $20 million penthouse that we went into contract before COVID. And then in the middle, you know, New York got hit much differently than everywhere else. In fact, everybody's saying, oh, the market said it's all time highs. That's not even true here in New York. And they were so full of doubt about what to do. And I mean, it was just like, imagine like Buddha or something sitting on a mountaintop, just listening, right? Like I just had to listen to them. And it took us like two years to get the deal closed because they just had to work their way through all of their doubts and fears. They love the place. They're so happy. But it, I just had to allow them the space to communicate. I mean, our mantra, like what we talk about is visionary brokerage, is just that we listen, we understand, and we work with you to create a vision of something that you would love. And we use all of our insight and experience to create that vision with you. But it's the premise is we're going to really listen. And it's not about the money. It's not about the price. It's not about anything to do with all the transactional stuff. It's just about the person. Because I've had clients who come to me, I don't know how many people know, will know Manhattan from who are listening, right? But we work on the Upper West Side. And someone calls me and says, my friend, blah, blah, blah. He's a, a, a venture capital person. He wants to buy a place to enjoy in New York. Comes to me. He says, I want to buy a condo on the Upper West Side near Lincoln Center so I can do this, that, and the other. And, I, and he's giving me a tiny little area where he wants to be. He comes in and we talk and I'm listening to what he's liking and not liking. He buys a cooperative apartment, which may not even exist where some people are, on the East Side, like a completely different animal altogether. But based on what he said and what he didn't say and the questions I asked, something came out of it, right? So it's, it's you have to trust your instinct to be, like you said, that advisor um, and ask questions and say, you know, I'm not the person that's just going to show you anything because I don't have anything to show you. Because that's people sometimes get mad when you show them something that's too expensive or in the wrong place. But you're like, if you give reasons, hey, you know, you said you wanted this, this, and this. I have something over here that I have an intuition that would be perfect for you. Like, give a reason. Like, this is really close to where you want to be, and it has an amazing school system or whatever. You know, give a reason that is true. It's just like when you give a compliment to someone, you want it to be based in truth, right? <laughs> and, and you'll be so surprised at how people open up and they give it a chance. And if you think something's amazing and they're fighting and you just like, I, am, I have conviction around this, then twist their arm but at least know that you're doing it because you care. Well, and, and so you touched on something that I think is really one of the most powerful pieces of advice that I could give to a new agent, which is most, most real estate agents were people, people. We love to talk. We love to talk about ourselves. <laughs> and the thing I had observed with some of the new agents we brought into our team is in their desire to connect with people, or maybe even in their nervousness that maybe they don't have the knowledge base yet. Cause a lot of us talk too much when we're nervous, they will either overshare about a property. Like they'll give you every detail under the sun that they've memorized, but they won't ever pause to listen. They won't ever pause to ask you or like the client what they think. Right. 
And I think what you're sharing right now, if, if a new agent is listening out there and you can take one thing back to your job today, it is ask good questions. Ask why someone is interested in that thing, right? Like perfect example is you with that investor. It's like, hey, I only want the West side. I only want this kind of building. Well, why? Tell me more. Well, I want this return and I want these kind of numbers. Actually, the east side is probably where you want to be. And actually, you need a co-op building because you know the ones you're looking at, they're not even gonna, they're not even gonna come close to those numbers. Oh my gosh, Scott, I didn't even know that. Thank goodness I've got you. Yeah. That's um uh, that's it's that we don't we have investors. I mean, I had a guy recently, he he bought a two and a half million dollar condo on the east side um without coming in. You know, he just I shot him a I was doing like my best golf commentating uh, impression. I shot video for him and I said, you know, this is the bedroom. Okay. We're panning over here. You know, here's the view to the North. Here's the view to the South, you know, kind of very matter of fact, I wasn't trying to sell it. He's, he's out, he lives out of the country. I find out later that the reason they wanted to move is because they had had, you know, um, one of their children went through a really hard thing and the apartment that I'd sold them a few years ago just they had bad associations with it. Emotionally, they needed to leave and they were ready for something new. And I told them all these things about, and I showed them all the amenities and whatever. And they were so, they were so, um, they were willing to make a choice because I had built like a 10 year relationship of trust with them without actually flying here to see it. And I just saw him yesterday in his apartment and it's furnished, like super cool furnishing, very modern. And he's like, Scott, you just sent me the things that you know, you really believed there was no fluff on it. You sent us the handful of things that you thought really good. And, you know, you've never steered us wrong before. And it's like so satisfying to hear that because, and then I didn't even know about all the rest of the stuff about their family, you know, the troubles um, until yesterday. I just, I was like, wow, I didn't realize why we were going through this other than you just wanted a bigger place. But I'm like, it makes total sense. And it's like a fresh start for them. And a lot of that just comes out of personal relationship and trust building where they can share that kind of thing. Cause it's not probably not something they want to talk about very much. Yeah. And so in that um, you, you mentioned earlier and it was in your bio too, about the visionary brokerage piece. Yeah. Does that come through how you guys build trust with your clients? Is that a specific marketing tactic that you have? Like, like, what does that encompass for you guys? I'm just curious to hear your process and how you're, how you're so different from everyone else in New York. Well, you know, that's when I talked about that, we listen and we understand, and, you know, we have to use our insight and experience. That's what visionary brokerage is plain and simple. It's about seeing something that other people can't see and being able to, to when, when I listen to what somebody says about what they want and I'm looking at their body language and I'm, have, I'm sitting at my, in my boardroom in my office on 64th and Broadway or I'm in their, their conference room in their office or we're sitting on their couch or whatever. I've got to, if you're selling an apartment for them or pitching their business, I wonder, why did you fall in love with this place? What was, you know, you've lived here 20 years. Like, tell me about you. Like, what did it do for you in your life? How did it support you? I mean, I, I think of like the home is like a, as a, as the most tangible representation of who you are. Okay. Like it's, it's a relationship. It should support you. And so 
I'm asking all these questions. And again, I'm listening and I'm understanding what they're about. And then I have, I can start branding an apartment to speak to who that next buyer is based on like, who are they? Like, what are the kind of people in their, their community? Just it's a, it's a 360 degree look at them that gives us all of this extra insight. And yes, we've sold a billion dollars and all of that other stuff. So we have like the expertise, but in that moment, it's, it's less about the expertise. It's more about being a, an advisor and a coach and someone who's supportive, who's going to get it done for them, but in a way that is the, the most direct line, right? Where it's, it's about creating like a clear channel between a property and a buyer. And look, the way that I've marketed properties, I'm sure this happens to you. So many times people call me the sell, the buyer of a property out where I was the listing agent. You know, they came through another broker. So there was a co-broker originally who forgot about them and never followed up. They call me and they're like, hey, Scott, we really like the way that you did business. Years later, and they hire me because they know I care. They know I, I take a lot of, a lot of attention to detail and make sure that we're branding an apartment or property for whoever's next. And so, I mean, I, I kind of joke, like the house doesn't care what it sells for. You know, I kind of think of like the giving tree. It's like this, this thing that cares about you. And um, it's looking for the right fit for it. I mean, it's, it's really, I, I get a little, uh, you know, a little woo-woo here, but I, I think it's true. You know, if you've lived in a house that you didn't like, something was off and you're like, something just doesn't work here. And at some point you're like, I'm ready to find a house that works. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, it's exciting to be a part of that um, for sure. But I mean, visionary brokerage, I think, is, is encapsulated in, um, in being able to see things where people don't. And I really, in this time, as mortgage rates go up and the stock market has all of this volatility, you can find a thousand reasons why, oh, why your business isn't working right now, perhaps. But I firmly believe that there's opportunity every part of the market cycle. And what we tell our clients all the time is we make our own market. And what Visionary Brokerage is about is that we're listening to you so that we know that the opportunities just show up, right? Like It's like if you bought a certain car, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. If you have a vision, if we help create a vision for what you're looking for, we can see it much more easily. And we have conversations with random brokers in our office and other people that like all of a sudden, we either find a buyer for your property, we find a seller before it even goes to the market. And, or we just see something on the computer screen. We're like, that's the one. I don't know why, but you have to kind of believe in the, I think you have to have a faith in something bigger going on. And um, if that gets me in trouble, so what? But I, I really think that there's some, some bigger things that connect us all that, um, that are at, at work and you got to be open to that. And that's, that's kind of what we're about. Yeah. I like that approach a lot. Um, I definitely you know, I'm of the same mindset that there's a, a higher purpose and a higher power for every person and, and that we're meant to do more on this earth than just live and die, you know, <laughs> or, or make money and then, and then be buried with nothing that we, that we earn. <laughs> it's, it's like, you got to have a deeper purpose in this business. And, and when you can really connect to the people that you're serving, even the, even the nameless, faceless people that, that are on the other side of the transaction, you maybe don't have a personal relationship with them. I mean, it's like you said, sometimes you will do such a great job 
branding a property and, and creating that lifestyle vision around the property, you'll get clients that call you that maybe you didn't even work with. And they're like, Hey, I just loved what you did with this house. My guy never called me back the second we closed. Right. <laughs> and I'd love to work with you. And I think that, you know, just your genuine care um, for people and that, that connection to a higher purpose in what you're doing. I think that's a huge reason why you you've differentiated yourself in a very competitive market. Um, my other question for you would be this, because I feel like there's kind of two pieces towards being that advisor role. The first one is, then the biggest one is listening, caring, right? Being attentive to what they really need, figuring out where their pain points are so you can solve those problems for them. But the other piece is the knowledge of like, okay, I've identified the problem of they don't like their building. They need a new one with these parameters, but you have to have the knowledge of like, okay, what building fits that? Or uh, oh man, I'm so worried about the market for X, Y, and Z reasons. Well, how can I help um, kind of address those fears in a way that will bring them peace in the current market cycle, right? So what what are some of the tools you use now or what were some of the tools that were helpful for you as a young agent that kind of helped you grow that knowledge base that you now have? Huh. I, I, well, first it's a mindset, right? Like I've, I don't know why, but, you know, maybe it's like when I was a kid, you know, my parents were divorced and I felt like I had to kind of figure a lot of things out by myself, like didn't want to depend on anybody. Um, but I've always had this mindset that like, I can figure it out. Like whatever it is, whatever problem, I can go over it, under it, around it, or through it. You know, I'm going to figure it out. And so, and, and enough times that proves right. You're like, I could figure this out. And so I think if you come from a place of there is a solution, or even the better question is, what's, you know, how are we going, you know, this is, there is a solution to this. Let's figure out what it is. It's like such a powerful, you ask a powerful question, you're going to get a powerful answer. You know, what's the most effective way for us to, I don't know, deal with this seller, you know, just like ask powerful questions to find solutions. So I think that's, that's definitely how it started. And then over time you start to build things and you ask a lot as much as I didn't want to ask for help, I think I was good at asking questions. So I just asked a lot of questions. Hey, I called this person. What do I think? You know, how can I do this? My, I've always had amazing managers at my offices. You know, they say, oh, we don't need uh, brick and mortar real estate offices anymore, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. New agents can really benefit from a, from a manager who cares. So I've leaned very heavily on my managers over time. I still do. You, you know, I'm, he's my therapist. I'm going crazy. Am I, am I wrong to be thinking this? You know, like, am I, you know, am I crazy? So I think sometimes asking around saying, okay, who might be a good person to speak to about this? Like, that's the question I'm going to throw in the air. Oh, this person, let me talk to them. And that's been true of like anything. Like if I'm trying to figure out whatever the issue is in or out of real estate. So I think that's, if you're starting out, it's like, okay, who might be a good person to talk to about this? What are the resources? Like you realize you have many more resources than you realize. Um, and that doesn't, it, you should be learning all the time, right? Like in your transactions, like if I have people on my team who don't know how to do certain elements because they, they like use my, my administration people as, as a crutch. But um, the first time they do a, a purchase application, which is really complicated in New York, it's like getting into a country club. I'm like, no, you're doing this yourself as crazy and long as it takes, 10, 20 hours, whatever, you're going to do that because you need to know how to present this person to a, to a 
committee of snobby people or whatever, you know, and we have to know exactly how to present them so that they're going to pass this board process. So you have to do, you have to ask lots of questions and you have to just have a mindset of, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to get to the other side of this and, and, and stay calm because and create, that's going to be where you're at your most creative. I think that's brilliant. I mean, that's, that reminds me of a time when I was a, a newer agent. I had my first big listing in one of the really nice subdivisions down here. You're, are you in Destin? Where are you? I kind of cover the the breadth of the, the Emerald Coast down here. So I've, I work in Destin, Miramar Beach, 30A, you know, which is like seaside and watercolor. Yeah. Out Beach, Rose I've spent Beach. a lot of spring breaks there as a high school kid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so Destin was like the hub for the last 20 or so years. And then over the last decade, there's been more and more development to the east of Destin, which has just been unreal. I mean, we, we kind of branded the Hamptons of the South because when you come down to 30A and you see like, you know, Alice beach, which is A-L-Y-S, you Google that it's an architectural masterpiece. Every home is a work of art. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So anyways, I cover that, that whole coast and there's a neighborhood called watercolor here, which is one of the most popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest tourism spots. Every house is two, three, four, five, six million dollars. Right. And so I got my first watercolor listing and it was three and a half million. I was so excited but I knew nothing about watercolor. <laughs> and so I did what you did. I leveraged the people aspect and I just called. First, I started with the brokers in my office because I had the best relationship with them. And I said, what do you know about watercolor? Please teach me. And I picked up little nuggets. And then I just went in the MLS and I pulled, okay, who's sold the most properties in here in the last year? Maybe they'd be willing to share a tidbit of information with me. And by the time I got to my first showing, I, I sure as heck sounded like an expert. I mean, you know, I was telling them about the renovation that went on at this place and you sure. know, these are what your dues are covering. And these are the best spots to get a, cu- a cup of coffee or, you know, the, the, this is the best restaurant in the community. And you just pick up all these little details and all of a sudden no one ever knew you knew nothing like two weeks ago. Well, I, I take it a step further, right? I would say one, when you're dealing with other brokers, you have to, I, I really do think this, like I was never a boy scout, but I was a cub scout right? Like assume the best in people, like assume, assume the best, you know, and, and they will show up with their best. Not every broker you're going to deal with is amazing, but if you just show up, they're going to help me. They're going to be generous. You know, you think New York City's oh so cutthroat, 20% of the agents do 80% of the business. Believe me, you need to, you need to be a good person. You know, if you get a reputation for being a, a jerk, it's not great. So give as much, you know, give more than you get, be generous, but like, but all you have to know, you just have to know that information one second before you communicate it. It's not critical that you, you know, you, as you learn along the way, you learn to do by doing. So, I mean, I'm totally in agreement. It's like, you just have to, you have a commitment to doing the right thing. I'm going to do right by this person. Like the intention is to do right by them. And then you have to fulfill on that. And if it means like learning every single thing you can from every person so that you can do the right thing, great. You know, you care. Again, it's all back to care. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And just having that, because I agree with you, it's so easy to look at real estate from a distance and think it's just a bunch of used car salesmen or it's going to be really cutthroat. And yeah, you run into those guys every once in a while that somehow make it to the top being a cutthroat. 
But the majority of the people that are really good in this industry are good because they're like you, Scott, they care and they're willing to help younger agents. And in fact, so speaking of helping younger agents, helping people, I was reading in your bio, you regularly mentor younger agents. You've got um, a charity that you were partnering with during the pandemic to help ease people's situations in New York. Can you just touch on that a little bit? I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, no, it's an awesome story. So as you can imagine, after 20 years, you know a lot of people doing different things, you know, mortgage brokers, you know, contractors, you know, real estate attorneys, which are part of our transactions here, and, you know, moving companies. And so I have a business coach that I work with every, every week, wonderful guy named John Shaw. And we were, ta- we were talking, okay, well, our, our, business, our market completely shut down. Literally, we're not legally allowed to show properties for three months. And so, you know, putting aside all of the, you know, a lot of people would freak out. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to throw, I'm not going to worry about the money part. Nothing I can do about that. You know, I'm not going to be on the street. Let's just settle that. I'm going to be fine. And then I'm like, well, you know, what are people going through right now? I know what I'm going through. I know friends, you know, I'm sure I'm just like imagining what other people are going through. And in New York, people are in apartments stuck in little spaces. They're going to start cleaning out their places. They're going to do spring cleaning. And I realized, well, they're going to do spring cleaning and there's going to be nowhere for them to bring the stuff because all the retail was closed, all the Goodwills and Salvation Armies of the world, right? And I said, wait a minute. What if I can get my moving? I just had this epiphany. We were like, we were like, what kind of videos can we shoot? We were just like spitballing different ideas and how you know I can inspire people and brokers. I wanted to just give people ways to think about we're gonna be okay, we're gonna get through this. Here are the things you can do. You can get your eight, you know, get your sellers to shoot videos and whatever, right? All these things we were innovating at the time. And I'm like, you know, if I get moving companies to commit to driving around what was an empty city, I mean, half a million people left moved away. And then another million people just went to their second homes. It was like a ghost town here. And I said, if we can get moving companies to, to pick up donations and I can get Goodwill or Salvation Army to open their warehouse, wherever it is, and take the donations, wouldn't that be cool? So that was the idea, right? So I called, this is a Thursday morning, by Thursday night, I called seven moving companies and said, hey, can you donate half a, half a day of your time to pick up? If I have people to pick up stuff from, would you do it for me? You know, it'd be good, feel good thing. And your guys, as it turns out, he, they didn't want to fire their guys and they were all about to get PPP money, right? Which was like a government help to keep their businesses going. And six out of six or six out, seven out of seven, maybe six out of seven all said yes, Right. Then the next day, I'm like, well, I have to talk to Salvation Army or Goodwill. By the end of Friday, I was in touch with the CEO of Goodwill New York, New Jersey through a, through a relationship. And she's like, hey, 40% of our donations come during this time of the year. And I was like, I didn't know that. And then I, I didn't really know that much about Goodwill's mission. It's like job training and all this amazing stuff that was going to be so important after after the pandemic, as people, as things opened up again, like, all right, this is awesome. So I had the moving companies committed. I had the place for it to go. Now I have to find the marketplace. And so I was telling a friend of mine who runs, has a podcast that, that's very popular. Um, and I said, you know, I'm building, I'm doing this thing. He's like, amazing. What's the website? And I was like, oh God, this is like Sunday night. By 1030 on Sunday night, I had built this amazing website. I'd never done that before. It was like, I was guided by, my hands were guided. It was like, I created this website. 
I started marketing it on Facebook. And within about four weeks, we had, we had picked up stuff from 5,000 people and brought it to Goodwill. We donated over 100,000 pounds of donated items. And so it was just such a huge win-win. And it all came from just, there's got to be something that we can do right now. And it, you know, we got every major press outlet in New York picked it up. It was so cool. It was just, it was amazing. And I was like, I don't know how to coordinate, like pick up schedules. And like, I was calling people, what do I do here? It was like, everything just kind of came together when I needed it. I asked for help and just got it. It was so amazing. That's incredible. And if a lot of people, Scott, are going to be listening to this via podcast. A few yeah. people will see, you know, some little clips on social media or YouTube what I can tell you for the listeners that, that can't see your face yeah. is the second I asked you about this, your eyes lit up with so much passion. And I just love that because I think it speaks to who you are as a person that the thing that um, has excited you so much is giving back to your community and making an impact beyond yourself. And that's just kind of a thread that I'm seeing through your whole business. And I really just commend you on that. What a phenomenal idea, by the way. And it's, it's kind of like real estate, right? Like when you get in the business, you're like, I don't quite know what I'm doing, but I have to, I just have to figure it out. Like, I just can't be afraid of this challenge. I'm just like you said earlier, it's like, you got to go in with the mindset of I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know exactly how, but I'm going to figure it out. And so I just, I think that's an incredible thing you did. Um, and I'm curious too, did you, are you able to use that in your business at all? That's obviously not your, wasn't your goal, but are you able to use that in maybe like a listing pitch or have people brought you business because of this thing you did? Well, we, we added about 5,000 people to our mailing list and we used the press that we got. And I, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, I think there's this movie, the secret, they call it the bank of the universe. So I believe that, you know, that everything good you do all the value you add is coming back from somewhere. So I'm like, can I track? Okay, that turned into business. Not exactly, but I know everybody who follows me on LinkedIn and you know Facebook or wherever you know Twitter or whatever, they all know what I was doing. And I know you know we did we made a we made a really important difference at a time that people really needed some positive feel good stuff going on. So um, I talk about it because I think it's a really it's similar to real estate, like you said, because there's no structure you know, to your day. You have to create a structure for yourself. And so it, was, it felt very typical to how we put a deal together. You need two sides and then you got people in the middle. It's like, how do I build that bridge? Um, and it required a leap of faith to a certain degree. The moving companies had to say, yeah, sure, I'll do it. They didn't want committing to anything really you know, until we said, hey, we did that thing you know, pay up, so to speak, right? And they were thrilled. One moving company got so much ridiculous press on like the ABC affiliate here. It was awesome. They could not be more excited. And that was, that came from them, from just giving, right? Giving without any, expecting anything in return. Um, and I think that's a, you know, a very good model to follow that if you give and you don't expect a transaction, the transaction happens. Because you're saying to someone, and this is like a Tony Robbins thing. It's like when, you're, when you give of yourself, what you're saying is that you have more than enough, right? Mm, Which I've loved. Because you yeah. are more than enough, right? You have incredible things about you, even if it hasn't shown up yet in your, you know, you, what your real estate business looks like. You have a lot to offer. And if you, those special things you can give in a way that's easy for you, but makes a huge difference, like that's the stuff you want to do. 
And then the more you lean into that, and as you get better at real estate, you're going to be able to give more on the real estate side. And it just, it's like a feeding, it's like a self, um, it's an engine that's, that gets on and then it keeps going. Yeah, I think that's great. We had a, a realtor on the podcast just the other day from New York, and he was talking about how he, he was told he had to dress a certain way and be a certain way to be successful in business. And when he finally just embraced being who he was and the things that he loved and his passions, like he ran a fashion boutique before he was in real estate. Yeah. And so he was, he was like, you know, I just started being myself wearing the cool clothes that I wanted to wear instead of the suit and tie. And I started volunteering a bunch of my time at the animal shelter because I love dogs. And he was like, I got so much business just stepping into who I am and giving, like you said, giving the world the gifts that I have, not being afraid to just be myself, to look a little bit different or do things a little different or to say it a little different and just being me. And I think that's a great message for, for anybody listening is like, you don't have to do it just like how Scott does it or how I do it or how anyone around you does it. When you're your genuine self, people are going to feel that and you're going to build that deep connection and trust that leads to deals naturally. Well, um, well, Scott, I really appreciate your time, sir. I want to be respectful of it because we've been going on here for just a bit. I know you got some lunch appointments to get to, Yeah. Um, but where can people find you, sir? Okay. So a couple different places. If they want to find me on TikTok, talking about real estate and other stuff, they can go to Scott Harris Finding Home. Okay. And if they want to go to my website, they can go to harrisresidential.com. If they want to learn about all the non-real estate stuff, I have a podcast that's called Finding Home with Scott Harris, and they can go check that out um, anywhere they listen to podcasts. And if they go to scottharris.net, they can read all the crazy stuff I'm writing about, all the crazy stories that happen in in New York City real estate. And uh, if they go to Harris Residential Team on Instagram, if they go to TikTok, they're going to see all the links everywhere, but there's a lot uh, of fun real estate porn, so to speak, that they can check out on Instagram. Um, so that's a lot there, but um, it's, I, I can't wait to hear from people um, that want to talk to me about all sorts of stuff, real estate and, unre- and not real estate. Yes. And I, I want to throw a challenge out to the audience that if anybody connected with Scott's story today or really admired the, the charity effort he led, let's be the thread that finally gets to be directly connected to some business for this man for doing such a, a, a really Herculean effort in New York to help people. And just out of the goodness of his heart, let's send him some referrals. If anybody has a good New York referral, feel free to reach out to Scott. He'll take great care of them. And uh, Scott, we appreciate you. And Real Estate Rockstars, we will talk to you next time. Thanks, man. It's been great talking to you. Yes, sir. Likewise. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one, and I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have, and also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free, but what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, 
be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.